0: Hello, hey Ernie, how are you doing?
1: Doing good. Yeah, well that's uh,
0: good. There's been a lot of um, turmoil I think with the great reset. So I did oh, yeah, say so, that.
2: Yeah. yeah, I mean the um turmoil oh, oil is one way of looking at it. Uh, I guess that's why it's a good day because today's the end. So
1: that, Yeah, uh, this um
0: so I um, wondered if how much your dream uh or dream uh played into that decision.
2: Um Several, well, uh, so uh, two different parts. One was the the topic I wanted to talk about uh, was this relationship between law and grace. And so that was the thing I wanted to say and I felt it was important. And then I had this dream and I felt like the dream illustrated that point clearly in a concise way. And after going through that, I felt a sense of emotional closure,
0: so... Emotional, what? Closure. Closure.
2: Closure, C-O-L-O-S-U-R-E. Okay. And all along, uh, I, I haven't explained this very well, I'll try again today, is that when, you know, the first, uh season of the great reset uh well we kind of we didn't know what we were doing at the beginning we didn't know hardly anything but we did seven of the six of these and then stopped on the seventh to, to sort of rest and reflect i said you know this is good we should just do this do six episodes and stop and reflect and then after six seasons we should stop and reflect and then do a Sabbath season uh and that's sort of always been in the back of my head And I wasn't quite sure how it would work out. My dream was that um, by the end of the sixth season, it would all become clear. And then we would just do that for the seventh season. And while many things have become clear to me, I think it's safe to say we have not reached a consensus about much of anything at this point. But uh, if anything, that's even more reason to stop and rest, and try something different. So there was always a plan for some sort of phase transition at the end of the sixth season. Uh, I didn't know what, and so uh, that was the primary motivation, Um, but all these other things fed into it in terms of how I thought about it and framed it and communicated it.
0: well um haven't reached a consensus about anything um i feel like there's a few things like the um a couple of the methods that were um dabbled in like the community protocol and the DBS. Mm-hmm. i think the consensus was that those were really good when you did it um
2: there are many positive things that people like, right? And, and many things, and I mean, like, you know, I don't mean to make this to say, don't imply that we didn't accomplish anything or do anything. But actually next think we did and lots of things that people like, but I don't think there's a consensus in terms of, like, this is the thing we should be doing next and forever. That's where I feel like there's no clear consensus. And I think there's a lot of people who like different things and would like to see more of certain things, but it's not clear that that's the same as a consensus.
0: Okay. Well, I don't know if um, that question was Mm -hmm. clearly in front of the group each time, whether or not a given session was what we want to do next and forever. Right.
2: Yeah, no, I'm 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 saying that. the point is that I've been trying to um I mean the general sense is that um with um, uh the crew of me and David and Ted, we had difficulty reaching a consensus about what the Great Reset is and what we should be doing. And the larger group um, there's been, I mean, frankly we've been dealing with sort of everyone wanting to leave for the most of the last few sessions. It's <laughs> uh, uh was I think productive in many ways, but if anything, it complicated the question of what are we doing. So let me just say I'm not really clear on what the group needs or what the group wants. And I don't have any, when they're talking about sense of being empty, it's like, okay, I mean, there's many different layers to this. I mean, the uh, the short answer is that I don't know what to do next. I need a rest.
1: Here or in the kitchen? Okay. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and it's like, if it was a clear, if there was a clear sense, it's like, well, Obviously we're doing this and obviously we should do that. There's no obvious answers to me about any of this. That's probably the better way of saying it. There are probably some things we agree on and probably some things we disagree about. And it's not obvious to me what to do next. And, you know, I have to say, you know, even just having these extra four days between sessions was was such an enormous uh, weight off my shoulders and time to to sort of rest and reflect Uh, uh, the thing for me and I don't know if this is uh, good or bad or natural or unhealthy or all of the above but that I feel a sense of responsibility to the group because people have expectations when they show up uh, people have concerns people have needs and you know I I try to be mindful of that not controlled by it not weighted down but mindful and so i feel like that um the layers of expectations uh and emotions about the group was getting unmanageable for me uh and it wasn't clear uh i could not see a resolution and uh so i said like i think this is a good time to stop because the one thing that I, like i said i try not to make the same mistake five or six times and it's like uh, uh let me stop and see if you know a maybe the group is the problem maybe the structure all that we've been using is the problem or the lack thereof. maybe it's me that's the problem i don't know let's just stop and then i think there are things that people enjoyed and appreciated and if we could understand what those were and um sort of step out of the system and reimagine it then maybe we would find something that people say yes that is the thing i want to do let's do that right now i don't know what that is
0: yeah well um the way I understood it, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it was to um, try to find a way of a group uh, helping each other um, be more like Jesus or, you know, uh, yeah, okay. and uh, yes, that are, to do it yeah. in a way that others could see what had been done and also do it. Yes.
2: And that was that the goal. Accurate? Yeah, that, 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 that's a very good statement of the goal. I think that's where we came to around season three. This phrase, this idea of co-discipleship. and I think we've done lots of things that have helped certain people with certain things. Um, uh-huh. And you know, DBS was definitely one of the most powerful practices, uh, but there was this tension. Uh, which I have not fully resolved, between, you know, DBS and... Well, there's two two issues with DBS. One is that, as just an empirical fact, it wasn't effective in helping us uncover and resolve relational issues. I would say it couldn't do that, but but it didn't didn't do that.
0: Well, okay, so um, the way I've seen that happen in DBS groups, Mm -hmm. is when the text, um, you know, when everyone's seriously focused on the text, and then the text says something that makes a person feel like their step of obedience needs to be reconciliation. Um, And so the interesting thing about that is that it's um, not being voiced or the, the motivating factor is not coming from another person but it's coming from the text to a person's part and then you know it somehow gets worked out in the group but that um, I feel like we kind of um, did it just a few times and jumped around a lot on the text that we used and um, I don't know, like so the thing with Peter
1: um, mm-hmm. he's
0: being stated by Jesus, mm-hmm. and that his um his basic means or what his role was was to feed Jesus's sheep, yeah,
1: mhm, okay, uh-huh,
0: and um the word lambs and sheep is used both both of those are used. But he's a fisherman and now he's being told to, um, you know, feed these sheep or these lambs. And I feel like there's, um, obedience in that for us. Um, are we viewing each other as God's sheep or lambs, you know, uh, valued, uh, but vulnerable? Suggestions of our father um, so I don't know
2: oh yeah I'm not sure what point you're making I think the thing was just like as an empirical fact when we tried to do DBS in the group David in particular did not experience that as creating a context to pursue reconciliation he experiences that as a programmatic thing that was keeping us from having these hard questions about relationships and discussions and I'm not saying that's good or bad or who's fault. I think that's just a fact that the way we practice it did not make him feel like he was able to raise the issues that David David Johnson. Yeah. Remember the whole, uh, we did the, yeah, but to be fair.
0: Yeah. But David um, did only like, he was only critical of everything that happened as long as I was in the group.
2: So, so Eric, Eric, you're missing the point. OK. David is the target market.
1: He is, okay. he
2: is, he is, he is, he is very weird. And he yes. does not have an emotional attachment to DBS. But he's willing to show no. up and study scripture. And so the question I'm asking is, so like, OK, it, it, you know, is that, and, and this has kind of been, actually, this gets to the whole point about the law and the spirit. Is that um, I am not attached to methodologies, right? I am attached to people.
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay, one of the reasons that
2: that I one of the reasons I founded the Great Reset is because my experience of Christianity is that after evangelical Christianity uh, on the on the fundamentalist side of it was that there's a clear sense that Jesus saves you from being a sinner and then you become a Christian. Uh, And that's a really, really big deal. And then what happens after that is always been kind of murky. Like there's a general sense that there is a thing like sin and that it's bad and something should be done about it. But that's about as far as it went. The emphasis was largely on, in the tradition I grew up with, intellectual knowledge and religious observances. Showing up, doing quiet time, tithing, reading your Bible. Uh, to sort of maintain. Theology. Yeah, to maintain. It's like you're in, you're good, now maintain.
0: And pay your tithe.
2: And, and pay your tithe, yes, absolutely. Um. And it's like, those aren't bad things. But the thing that I discovered is that, at least in my experience, uh, I had this, I had another dream. Uh, you know, you can take it purely as psychological if you want, uh, but I found it illuminating for me. And uh, the PG version of it is, it was kind of like a dog park for humans. And that people were crapping all over the place but that everyone there was also trained and had the tools to scoop it up and pick it up and put it away in the proper place. As opposed to a big fancy pristine building with a few toilets tucked away in corners. The idea being that if you're dealing with humans, you say, okay, only sit in this area in this way where we know how to deal with it. But if you're dealing with, say, sheep, they're going to crap all over the place. So the best you can do is say, okay, crap here, where we know how to clean it up. Yeah, And that was, that's kind of my vision, uh, which I think is like what David means by train wreck church. I'm never quite sure if he and I understand anything together. But that's my vision. It's like, okay, church should be the place where we try to send more here, if you will, Rather than out in the world, uh, because we're learning how to clean it up better. And so, yeah, David, and and that was one of the points about like the thing I don't want DBS to become is another law saying you must do these things and 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 act this way so that DBS works for you. My question is, what can we do so that if people are just willing to show up, like in the olden days, following Jesus, like in the Gospels, was really clear. If Jesus went somewhere you followed him. It didn't matter if you were a disciple or a Pharisee or a prostitute or a tax collector, whether you wanted him for himself, whether you wanted him for the food, whether you came for the teaching, you for the... it doesn't matter. Literally, you were following Jesus as long as you went where he went. It was a nice concrete action. And just being around Jesus had an impact on you. And eventually, if you kept following Jesus long enough, you'd either believe him or give up and run away because you couldn't handle it as most of the disciples did
0: yeah well and so there was also the the 12 whom he selected and um he really focused on them in a uh, developmental way and then there were lots of people that were also called his disciples that came around and just kind of listened as whenever they found opportunity
2: yeah, here's the hilarious thing for me that I just realized during the course of the Great reset. We talked all about Jesus training, training people like the way Jesus trained the disciples. The funny thing is, when the crisis came, two of them betrayed him, and ten of the rest abandoned him. So, like, even though he went through all that training and all that teaching and all that encounters and experiences and relationships, when push came to shove, uh, virtually all of them stopped following Jesus. Yeah, and so, I mean, naively, when we look at that and say, "Okay, whatever Jesus did during those three years was not enough to get them to follow him to the cross."
0: Well, do you think he wanted that?
2: Yes, he just, Have He you wanted read them.
0: 70? No, he's he, he praying he with um,
1: me
2: with me he read, right he said the three that are closest to him right he said watch and pray with me
0: yeah so you don't follow the
2: temptation yeah so i think he would have taken as many as he could
0: right but when peter you know cut off the uh cut off malchus's ear and yeah um, tried to stick with jesus jesus told him to put away his sword and um, then they all fled. Right, so, because
2: right. P- Peter was willing to fight for Jesus. Right. Yeah. He wasn't willing to, sur- but he wasn't willing to surrender with Jesus. Right. He he Peter and I think Peter diverged. Peter's understanding of Jesus diverged from Jesus, like literally right after Peter said, "You are the Christ, the Son of the Living God." And then Jesus said, okay, wait, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to die. And Jesus said, whoa, (laughs) don't say that, Jesus. You got it all wrong. This isn't what I signed up for. That's not who you are. Right?
1: True. And,
2: and, you know, this is the thing that I find you know, reflecting on the Great Reset and other things I've been praying about and and dealing with and seeing observed in the country over the last couple of weeks the things that bring us to Jesus are the things that hold us back from the cross. Is that The things that
0: bring us to Jesus are the things that hold us back from the cross? From
2: the cross. Right, the thing that brought Peter to Jesus, that he had been a fisher of men, of being part of this glorious revolution, right, of seeing Israel redeemed, seeing the Romans cast, cast out, right, his understanding of Jesus and why it was good and why Jesus was good, was profound, life-changing, transformational and wrong. And when that hit the cross, it all fell apart for him. And this is why I keep coming back to the cross of Christ. It's because this is the scandal and this is the power. Yes. And so the. Um, that's where we were going with this, but.
0: Well, uh, yeah, I think it relates to what you've been posting more recently about mm-hmm. um, going to the cross with somebody who's in the throes of confusion or sin is not just helping them identify their sin, uh, but it's burying it for them somehow.
2: Yeah. I mean, um, like I said, I don't even know how to talk about it. I just know that this is what Jesus does for me, right? He doesn't just tell me the law or show me the law. And at one level, Hear me carefully, please. At one level, he doesn't care about the law. And another level, he absolutely does. But at one level, what he cares about is us being in a right relationship with him and the father and everyone else. And the law is yeah. good in terms of helping us see what that looks like. But it's bad in terms of, as human beings, we tend to focus on the law. On the rules themselves, and lose sight of the spirit of the law. Well, yeah, and, it's the same
0: thing when when we idolize any of God's gifts to us.
2: Right, and the um, uh, the important thing, and in, in, in that, you know, uh, I, I from one side the law is a statement of requirements. But from the other side, the law is a reminder of our sinfulness. And that's what, uh, so uh, so we are thinking about this, I may not mention this today, I'll to say it now, is that the thing that I realized uh, just in the last 24 hours as I was processing stuff with David and others, uh, is that when I founded this group, I was driven by ambition and technique. And logically, that's probably where I had to start because that is the culture I live up in, right? I'm in Silicon Valley, which idolizes ambition and technique because that is how we see the world made better. So I don't think I could have started without those. But what I realized is that because of that, ambition, Can turn to arrogance and technique can turn to law. And because I had built this house on those two things, uh, I was sort of trapped by them. Uh, Not that they're bad, but because that was the foundation, if you will. Another way to put it is that um, I was thinking a lot about what the church was missing that I had to give them. Which, again, kind of have to start there. But where I've come to is more, what is it that I am missing that the church also needs that I need to learn how to get more of? And I've come to the conclusion that the antidote uh, to arrogance and law is humility and grace. And I realized I need more humility and grace. It's easy to see where other people, hear me, Eric. It's easy to see where other people lack humility and grace. It's so much harder to be like Christ and say, let me go to the cross, to the well, to the Father, and show them the grace they don't know they need. And as far as I can... Tell that when we have, um, when the body of Christ in general has done well, it is because it has acted out of humility and grace. When the body of Christ has done poorly, it is due to a lack of humility and grace that reminds us that we need more humility and grace. So that is the thing I am hungry for now.
1: Humility um, and grace. And,
2: yeah. And like, I love the law. I think we need better, richer, more precise laws so that it more, so we have a, uh, but uh, that was the thing. Uh, the law is good, but, thought, but trying to live the law, you know, was a, is a good thing that is bad, that, that leads to bad results and Paul talks about that in Romans 7 better than I can articulate it, right? Is that the reason we live the law, we, we fulfill the law, is by trying to draw closer to Christ, however we formulated? it, and I'm still wrestling with the right way to say that. Um, but, you know, enjoying communion, being in communion with Christ, as our friend will say, right? That's what yeah. we want. And the law can show us it's not about showing us what to do, but showing us what we can't yet to do, and where we need grace. Uh, the law is a mirror, or a uh, cat scan, or probably better. Yeah, better James calls that. it that. Yeah, the,
0: the law is a cat. Yeah, the law is not an escalator;
2: or, it's a cat scan.
0: Yeah, it, it's a light that shows our sin
2: yeah and it's not like you know, the law will never get us to heaven but the law will show us our sin and a will bring us toward the cross and the cross will give us grace and grace will get us to heaven and that's the thing that you know i'm actually uh content with where the great reset is at because even though i don't feel like i've answered a lot of questions i feel like i have been managed to work through a lot of relationships and in the place where, even if there's lots of unresolved issues and questions and even contentions, it's like, I feel like I'm at peace with people in a way that I wasn't at the beginning of season six. Um, in that, you know, um, and, even, and with David and Janet and Steve, and even with you and, uh, and Ted. Is that like, you know, hey, there's some tensions here. There's some things where I'm not sure that like, we're kind of button head to at least agree that we're worshiping the same Jesus. And that the only thing we really can trust is the cross. It's like, okay, that's good. That means something. I'm really grateful for that. Um, I'm still not quite sure how we got here. <laughs> I would love to figure out how so I can get here more often with more people.
0: Yeah. Well, um, I hope that you don't give up or you know, kind of stop trying. No, there is a yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. One thing that occurs to me, or that I've been thinking for a while, is um, I don't know David Johnson outside of the group, but um, I think. There's a possibility that um, being critical or criticizing is just merely policy with him. Like um, it doesn't matter what you put in front of him, he'll um, find some fault with it. And so if that's the case, I think it might be a mistake to say that like just choose one person. And say this is our target audience, or this is who we need to satisfy because it's policy to not be satisfied. Do you know what I mean?
2: Yeah, I know what you mean. I can see where you're coming from. Uh, but here's the thing the reason David Johnson is uh, my target audience is because, because he is the hardest person for me to
0: watch. Okay, so, and your and, goal is that? Not- and- to get across some idea, but your goal is to actually develop a, a loving relationship with someone.
2: Yeah, so, yeah, th- my goal is to love more like Jesus. Yeah. Right, and like, and this is the thing that I am, I mean, this seems controversial, though I'm not sure why, Like, but my point is that, gee, that person is hard for me to love. Clearly something is wrong with me. Other than something is wrong with them.
0: Okay. I am following you.
2: Right. And so like, okay. Yeah. So this is the person I need most because I lack the grace to love them and reach them like Jesus. Right. So as
0: long as I'm... um... As long as I'm facing this person, I'm forced to ask for God's help and to depend on God in a way that doesn't happen when I'm with people that I naturally get along with and I naturally am drawn to. Exactly. Mm -hmm.
2: That's why the shepherd leaves the 99 and goes into search of the one. Because that, you know, I just want to get cosmic about it. It's not just that he cares about that one, but that one is the thing that the ninety-nine are most missing. Yeah. Because um, if they already had it, the one wouldn't have wandered off.
0: Yeah. Well. Okay. I I understand the logic, but I feel like there's other. Kinds of, um, I don't want church than David's brand of I don't want church. Uh, Absolutely. But he's the
2: one, and but he's uh, the one who's willing to talk to me.
0: Well, they're okay. So, what if there were some others, um, that are different brands of I don't want church?
2: Well, uh, right. So, well, I'm sure once I learned this lesson then God will give me more. Okay. But the thing about David is the reason I think he's so difficult for me to love is that he is so much like me in so many ways <laughs> that, um, you know, the... That,
0: is, that you know all the faults and you can see all the faults quickly. And it's a big uh,
2: uh Not even bad, actually. Uh, this is... It's just not that I don't like him. You know, we actually, emotionally, our relationship has been fine. We're not offended each other. We don't hurt each other's feelings necessarily, or at least not consciously. The thing is, is that we think past each other in very similar ways, and our strategies for understanding and working with other people uh, backfire when used on each other. That was the two 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 and a Half Aliens podcast we had where David shared that uh analogy and analysis and so like and like the i mean like in some sense i agree in the sense that i one of the reason i'm said, because i thought the context that i have created is uh not working um and that and you know there's an important distinction to like um you know, I need to be in dialogue and relationship. Doesn't necessarily sort of mean I agree with him about his criticisms or what should be done. And right, that's where there's always a tension. Um, but like, um, what is the? Uh, uh, oh, you were you were a Celtic. Remember Jose Gonzalez? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, best line I ever heard. I quote this all the time. We do not choose the terms of our own discipleship. He said that? Yep.
0: <laughs> what a what an incisive comment.
2: Yeah, very jose, right? It's have been after I mean I've heard it maybe it's Santa Barbara after. Uh not actually when it was at Caltech, but still. Um the that's actually not a bad episode title. If we post this one in terms of our discipleship. Um, it's like if people show up, then my belief in the sovereignty, God says, wow. Uh, I mean, uh, this is not what my flesh says, by the way, and it takes a while for me to hear this, but he said, God should say, wow, God, you must trust me a lot if you think I can love this person.
0: <laughs> okay.
2: Right? I mean, and I'm sure that uh, our wives have probably said that at various points, uh, or at least subconsciously thought it. And maybe, maybe we don't have rejected it, I'm not sure. But the, you know, because, uh, I mean, who was my neighbor, right? Yeah. And, yeah, so like, yeah, uh, so I, I'm not, like I said about the law. I'm I'm a great believer in infinite standard, impossible standards and infinite grace. Okay? Say that once more, Ernie. Intense, impossible standards yeah. and infinite grace. Okay. is that uh, I don't condemn anyone who says, I'm sorry, I can't deal with that person now. That is too much for me. You know, uh, I'm just not a place where I can handle that, because that could very well be true. I don't have any uh, judgment of others. What I am saying is is that, um, just don't say it's too much for Jesus. And just right. sure that nobody could love them. Because I hear that a lot. Uh, yeah. Christian circles. Well, nobody could deal with them. No church could handle them. It's like, okay, just because we can't doesn't mean Jesus can't. And that's the yeah. that, that's the design criteria I'm searching for is that um I want to create something that anybody who shows up that if someone there loves Jesus enough that they have a context and a framework of tools where they can where they um feel empowered to love them closer to Jesus
0: to love them closer to jesus um yeah, yeah, okay, so the um yeah, I totally agree with that, and you're familiar with the angle scale um
2: Uh, E1, E2, E3, that one, or am I thinking something else?
0: No, that's, that's a cross-cultural, um, scale, but Engels scale is a disciple, um, starts as like a minus 10 non-believer, never heard of Christ and hostile Mm, towards everything because he's been preconditioned by some worldly system to be hostile towards the gospel. Okay.
1: Yeah.
0: And then he's got to move up through negative nine, negative eight, negative seven, He's got to keep moving up, and then zero is like the point of faith of baptism. But then mm-hmm. it doesn't stop until you get to positive ten, where he's like Peter by the end of his life or something. You know, he's he's a a fully engaged disciple who's walking in the power of the Holy Spirit every day. So okay, um, um,
2: so well, I, don't, I mean, relating, I don't know if there is a Bob ten,
0: Bob but <laughs> okay, well, our goal in relating to people is to just help them move closer to Christ, to just move up that scale wherever they're at. And they, like our, uh, you know, there's just such an overemphasis on the zero point where a person makes the the decision of faith and gets baptized. Um, And that's what churches count, and they neglect the rest of it. And so... They both neglect it for believers who've been believers a long time but aren't growing, but they should be moving up towards positive 10 in their faith and also in their impact on the world. But then also for non-believers, the church often focuses on those faithful pew sitters who pay their tithes rather than being focused on the rest of the neighborhood, which is a larger number of people, but they're somewhere down in the negatives because they haven't even made a decision uh, to to trust Christ yet.
2: Right. So, um,
0: and, you know, and then you have what, the eye your, where
2: people are. Okay, sorry.
0: Right. So, what I want, and I think what you want, is a group where a person could be anywhere on that scale and the group would help them towards Christ. They could be at positive nine. And they are better than any of us are at this moment. And they still could move up to positive ten because of the influence of the group, or they could be at negative nine, and they just move up to negative eight uh, because of the influence of the group. So something where a group of people relate together in a way that helps everyone in the group move towards Christ.
2: Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, I you know I can couple with some of the. the... numerical assignments but i mean for me actually the worst problem is not those who have been alienated uh uh from god by the world but who've been alienated from god by the church or by christians
1: yes right that is well that's happening in
2: in the weird world the problem is not the world right it's not the the world that keeps away from jesus it's the church it's christians (laughs) Right, that Mm -hmm. is certainly the Bay Area, that is the biggest challenge we have. I mean, uh, family members, where I don't think they actually have a problem with God. They have enormous problems with Christianity and specific Christians. And,
0: well, let's not not oversimplify because um, I didn't mention this, but uh, one of the elements that was missing in your dream was any mm -hmm. actual evil. That's external to you. And I do think the church confronts evil that's external to the church and is impacting on the world and will also impact on the church. So um, I think sometimes we oversimplify when we don't believe in evil, when we don't believe cool. in powers and principalities.
2: But no, I I completely believe in powers and principalities. And yet, so the way I look at it as is, did Jesus take all the sin of the world upon himself on the cross?
0: Well, Paul said that he was fulfilling in his flesh what was lacking in Jesus' sacrifice.
2: Exactly. You beat me to the punchline. So all the sin of the world went to Jesus and yet we have to take upon ourselves what was lacking. And the way I interpret that and apply that is that, yes, there are demonic forces in this world. The only authority they have in this world is sin that has not been surrendered to Jesus. And so the only thing in my life that gives the devil authority over me is unsurrendered sin. The only thing in the world around me that uh gives the devil authority is unsurrendered sin. And the way and the only reason I lack authority over my world is unsurrendered sin. And so the process is I need to identify, you know, I try to love people around me. I fail. Just like every other law, I fail. I say, okay, where is it there's something what part of my soul have I abjected that I haven't surrendered to Jesus, that I haven't forgiven a wound done to me and then surrender that to the cross. I gain freedom in that area. I can then speak and practice love uh, to someone that I previously was not. And then I build a relationship where I can uh, speak authority over the uh, demonic uh, influences that are very real and very present and very pervasive and then they get freedom, and then the cycle repeats and expands, right? Yes. Are we on the same page? Yeah. Yeah, and and what's interesting to me is that the reason I think grace and humility are so important is that for a long time, the church defined plus 10 uh, as authority and knowledge.
0: Uh huh. Yeah, I agree.
2: Right. You know, and therefore, uh, what you get, you gain more knowledge, and you gain more authority. You go from being a lay member to a small group leader to a pastor to a bishop to a seminarian to whatever, right? Yeah. And. Uh,
0: and it's manifested institutionally. It's manifested in the structure right. of the church somehow.
2: Right. Yeah. And you know, the the thing is, you can't have no structure. And I mean, this is one of the debates I think David and I have been having about, like, I need to just let go and not have so much control. It's like, okay, but then what? Like, you can't just do, I thought, like, we just I could just do nothing and not show up. But, it's like, if I show up, I have, you know, reactions and that shapes things. And, you know, that doesn't mean that there's nothing there. It's like, the problem with me, the biggest argument I have with David is that I say my problem is that I'm a sinner and he disagrees with me. Wait a minute.
0: On what basis does he disagree with you?
2: He thinks that the problem in the group is a matter of technique. And if I would just understand his perspective and apply his techniques, that would solve the problems the group is facing.
0: Oh, my goodness.
2: (laughs) (laughs) um,
0: And is that why he's going to uh, shoot down everything that you attempt in the group until you agree with that?
2: That's an interesting question. I don't know. It doesn't really matter anymore. Um, but the other way to look at it though is that in some ways I brought this upon myself because I founded the group based on what I wanted to do and what I wanted to give. And so to the extent there is arrogance and law in the group and that it's persistent in the group, it's because I brought it and I have not had enough grace and humility to overcome it. And so I do what I always do when I face an impossible problem. I die <laughs> right. This is the only solution to sin that I know of is the cross, and um I love dying uh, i death sorry, I love death dying i hate <laughs> right death is death is amazing it is peace, it is rest, it is freedom. Dying is excruciating um and so. You know, that was my uh, key, que- key off question for this episode. I don't know if I even bothered reading it, but was that why is it good that all earthly things die? It's because all created things have a fundamental contradiction. We must, must transcend to inherit the kingdom of God. Like I could not have gotten here without all of my humanity, uh, my ego, my pride, my arrogance, uh, my technique, my knowledge, my skills. And frankly, a lot of them came in useful at various points along the way. But like I said, the thing that brought us here is not the thing that gets us to the cross. Because what I I see happen time and time again, both outside and inside the group, is people come to Jesus on one thing. And I have the suspicion, or the theory, that uh, Satan is subtle. When he loses one war, he immediately starts planning for the next one. And when a person comes to Christ, uh, because of epiphany insight he'll say okay i hate it but i'll let you have that insight you know that demon gets fired and demoted but then i'll hire another demon to come on the other side and say yes yes this is it this is the thing you were searching for focus on this hold on hard to this i call it the bronze serpent strategy right the thing that god that, that god uses to deliver us people say okay stop here trust this don't keep going all the way to the cross this is enough yeah. Build your identity around this. And that's uh if you want the, the principality that I want to crush is this bronze servant say, no, we are here, we are gonna go all the way to the cross. And um you know, I can't do that until I die. Or I only do that, I only do that when I die. And so the great reset has to die. I'm not giving up on the kingdom of God. I'm not giving up on any of these relationships. Uh, but I'm giving up on this thing because I see now how I founded it on an imperfect understanding uh, and a false trust in myself. And, you know, the, it's funny that you use this phrase, love more like Jesus. Uh, yeah. When I woke up this morning, the phrase that rang in my head was, oh, that's too many words. It should be love more Jesus. We should love Jesus more and those who love more are those who've been forgiven more, which means grace, and love more of Jesus, which means embrace the Jesus we don't recognize yet, which is humility. And that's why I'm kind of uh, obsessing over grace and humility as the thing that I understand now is central, that I certainly would have agreed were important. But I hadn't realized that precisely in weird culture, um, those are the things that um, get lost in everything
0: else. Well, um, I might encourage you to perform one final experiment um, near the beginning of today's session. And just ask everybody if they think this should be Ernie's group or everyone's group. Because um, when you say, when you get to an impossible situation, then the only reasonable thing to do is to die. Um, If it's your group, then yeah, you can, you know, pull the plug on it and it's just Ernie who's dying. But if it's everyone's group, then it's you're killing something instead of dying. And, you know, I think that's more Old Testament where you kill a sheep to cover your sin. Um, does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, I mean,
2: the point yeah, I mean, I can see the point of that. I guess the thing is, is that um, I tried to make it not my group, and I can't, right? I try to put David okay. in charge. I try to put uh, uh, Ted in charge. And the other thing is that the group is basically falling apart anyway, right? Half the group is already Well, okay, I agree team. with
0: that. Yeah, I can right? see and that.
2: Right? So, and, so, and so it's like, okay, rather than like struggle on and fight the tide. And I've submitted this to Ted but they're both not happy about it, but they've agreed to it, right? They both could have overridden me and said, no, we gotta do this. i like, I'm just saying I'm done. I got nothing. And I tried to give it to other people and it's not clear that they've got anything either. So what I'm saying is, you know, know if you can read the the notes, was like, I just need a break. Let's just take a break and then like catch our breath. And I have the spreadsheet of like, what are the things that are important to you that you would like to see if we did something like this? And then what, I, what I'm hoping to do, in case it's looking clear, is I would like to do the Jubilee season, but sort of start over from a clean sheet of paper, same relationships, but without all the assumptions and baggage and focus or whatever, and just say, okay, let's try to do Uh, this thing, like we talked about here, something focused on grace and humility, about really bringing people to the cross um, and having this um, centered set. Have you heard that term? Yeah. Yeah, a centered set approach. Instead
0: of a bounded set, yeah.
2: Yeah, right. And so the hope would be that we do something in early February, uh, like a design summit, and then actually do a seven-week session uh, during Lent. And so that gives us a nice three-week vacation to kind of, for me, you know, I could use the break, and I think we can just like percolate, we can have individual conversations. Um, But so I I don't want, uh, I don't want the the, I don't want God's heart in this to die, but I want my vision of it to die, because I want a new one, a better one. A different one. I don't want to do more of this. Yeah. this is, I want to do something different that hopefully builds on what was best about the great reset. Um but um doesn't make the same mistakes over and over again. I would yeah. like to make brand new, completely different mistakes next time. And right now I kind of feel like I've hit the point of diminishing returns.
0: Yeah. Well, um, I understand. Um, and and is this is where you're saying:
2: you want to keep doing something, and you're up for being a part of that. That's wonderful.
0: Yeah, but um, if you do this little experiment that I mentioned near the beginning of today's session, then whatever comes next needs to be a group initiative more than this one was. I think you were providing almost all of the drive, you know, for this one to happen. And I think if people say, well, A, we think it is Ernie's group, B, we think it should be everyone's group. Then that leads into whatever comes next or as you call it, you know, something different, which is the group owns and drives um whatever happens next rather than Ernie just being in the hot seat the whole time.
2: Right. So, the way that I would frame it of what I'm trying to do is what is this? Right. People in this group have radically different understandings of what the group currently is. And half the people are planning to leave. So, do they really care what the group is or isn't? Should they have a voice or not? I and mean, those are, I mean, these may sound like annoying questions, but I think they're actually important, right, is that we um, can even get consensus on what this was uh, despite many attempts. And I'm saying, it must be impossible. I'm saying, I don't know anything else. So what I'm saying is that what you're describing is actually what I want to do next is to say, okay, you need to have something that is the anchor or the rallying point. And so, you know, I'm happy to talk with you, uh, you know, informally over the next few weeks and say, okay, what is the thing that we would like to do? And then we get people say, okay, we would like to do something like this. And then people would say, yeah, that's cool. I would like to be part of that. But if we do that, then we should do it like this. And then we can have a meaningful discussion. But if someone says, you know, I want yeah. to build a Bible study and I want to build a discipleship group and I want to be a training class. Well, it's like, okay, what's the point in even trying to, if we don't have some rallying points then we don't, and, and, and the rallying points that I had wasn't sufficient. And I think it made intrinsically right. flawed. And that's why it's like, okay, so let's start over with what we do understand and what we do agree on. And then we see if we can articulate something which says, okay, what is the Abraham Lincoln quote? For those who like this kind of a book, this is the kind of book they would like. And it's like, if this is the kind of fellowship you want, then let's make sure that this is the thing. And that the goal, the dream, is not something that's a clear enough vision uh, of what we are trying to do that people say, yes, that's what I want to sign up for. And then we can make meaningful decisions. Right now, people have just randomly shown up and you know brought all their baggage and their expertise and their skills and their hopes and their relationships. And we've taken them, which is good. Uh, I think that was better than not taking them. But that's also been our downside, is that we didn't really have a um, a good it wasn't process. A filter. Yeah, it was a filter, but more of a process. I don't want to reject people uh but i want to have a process where we can say okay let's come in, let's um and also having like a it's been this rolling thing which goes forever that's why they have seven weeks is a big deal for me it's like okay let's just say for these seven weeks we're all going to get together and this is the thing we're going to do is this what we want to do is this how we understand it good so then we are committed to doing this thing with these of people for this number of weeks and then we have some boundaries i guess or you know it's um the days of the community as a whole, the to build this into a larger network, which is centered, but individual seven week sprints are bounded. Yeah. So, yeah, and I just can't figure out how to get there from here, mm-hmm. which is why I need a break. Like, yeah. Because uh, to well of me, but I just need off. <laughs> I just need I yeah. need a break in several senses of the word.
0: <laughs> okay. Well,
2: um, and also, I'm not running the meeting. Uh, David Johnson and Ted are so. If you have any suggestions for questions you want to raise, that's fine. I have just five minutes to pitch something different.
0: David and who? Ted hahn Oh, Ted, yeah, okay. Um,
1: I think that the, uh, the I'll share those to make it more questions, of a celebration. Then.
0: I think I'll share those two questions with them, um, see if they like it or not.
1: Okay, um, sounds good.
0: But uh, thanks for including me in this, Ernie. And then um, whatever you do next, I think I'm interested. Um, so just keep that in mind. when.
2: Yeah, no, thank you. I appreciate that a lot. And uh, I wasn't planning to do another podcast, but this was actually pretty good. Do you okay if I post this?
0: Yeah, that would be fine.
2: All
1: right.
2: Thank you, David. Thank you, Eric.
0: (laughs) Oh no, (laughs) am I making you feel like you feel? No, I was
2: thinking I I should let David know that we we said some critical things about him on the podcast. But I think he's totally okay with that because he said worse things about me. So
0: yeah, well, and I hope that um, yeah I wouldn't have said those things. Um, Actually, some of the things that I said. about David, I don't think negatively of him, but I think that there's kind of a um, there's a culture out there that is not difficult to please but impossible to please. That doesn't mean that members of that culture will never respond to truth or to the offer mm-hmm. of a good relationship, but mm-hmm. that it's simply policy that nothing is ever quite good enough. Um, And so anyway, I just feel like we can't always assume that we'll be met uh, or that we'll be led on a good path when we decide to please um, that culture. Right. And I
2: think, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And again, I agree with you. We shouldn't, do what everyone tells us to do. We shouldn't just try to please everyone. On the other hand, we need to listen to everyone and we need to love everyone. And that's a fine line uh, because a lot of people interpret one as the other. But what I really admire about David is that even if I disagree with him, even if I don't go along with him, even if I criticize him, um, he perseveres. And I realize, you know, that's really all I can ask of anyone is that they keep trying. And then, if they're willing to do that, then it's up to me to dig deeper into the well of grace to figure out what God needs to move the relationship forward. Yeah. Because that's, frankly, that's how Jesus deals with me.
0: (laughs) Well, there's truth. He doesn't ask much. He
2: does ask, but I keep going.
0: Right. That you simply show up.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, I am still blown away and so with all the confusions and disagreements and misunderstandings, but so many people showed up. And I'm tempted to say I have no idea why, but I think I have an idea why. One, I think is just because of the other people. These are extraordinary people in so many ways. Uh, two, to some extent, there's also interesting topics that scratch people's itches, which cuts both ways. But I'd like to think that part of the reason people kept showing up is that they sensed Jesus in his presence and that there was something there that drew them that was Jesus. Um, I don't know if that's true or not, but I'd like to think so.
0: Yeah, I um, would say yes to that for my, for me personally. I was surprised a number of times by... Um,
1: an experience
0: of grace of um you know agape love that i didn't expect from the call from the group and either it was you know directly to me or i witnessed it happening in the group so it became part of my experience as well um and so yeah i feel like it was that and that it happened almost reliably, like pretty, uh, mm. pretty often.
2: Yeah. If yeah, we just forgot so. a bottle, of that we can save the world.
0: <laughs> yeah. Does it fit in a All bottle?
2: Right.
0: <laughs> okay. God bless Ernie.
2: God bless. See you, See at you 1 a later. In, in two hours, I guess. Yeah. Don't forget your bread and cup.
1: Bye.